votes on the voter roll in Los Angeles were not legally supposed to, and they don't redo it. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of governors right now that leave something to be desired. I have no idea what's going on in that category. I am sitting there going, are you, are you really praising Cuomo? You're really? Because, <laughs> wow. What, we're going to go there? Okay. Well, it's interesting <laughs> if, if nothing else, right? It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I've stayed away from the news and I have to say my mental health has increased by like a factor of 10 just in cutting out my connectedness. Just avoiding the even like drama I, yeah because I, I read a lot I don't yeah I don't read legacy media at all mm -hmm. I read alternative sources independent sources but even that I can't handle so taking a break every now and again does wonders for my mental health otherwise I feel like I can't sit still I'm not doing enough the whole world is collapsing why can't anybody hear me that we're in crisis and that's okay to like know that but mm -hmm. like it needs to be on the shelf sometimes, like no, not right. I right think that's me. a really good point. I think that it can be so overwhelming to be hit with all the stuff that they try to hit you with. And it's, it's hard to watch that and stay grounded. Oh yeah. I was right. off the rails. I think the first time I kind of realized that like, wow, I'm being lied to by mm -hmm. kind of everyone, huh? Mm -hmm. That was a lot of incoming and I couldn't well, it's, it's hard to see what's propaganda, like, right? There's that too, like sifting through that because you mm -hmm. have some crazy extremists on both sides and, you know, people, yeah. call, you know, anyhow, de de deifying, is that the word deifying, turning into gods, mm -hmm. like some humans mm -hmm. that are human mm -hmm. beings and mm -hmm. they're not gods really. So why mm -hmm. you have that all the way to the opposite end of like, let's not even be humans at all anymore. Let's just, we're all AI mm -hmm. and let's be, you know, the trans, what is it called? The trans, what is Transhumanist. it? Transhumanist transhumanist and yeah. part robot so like it's insane actually so like yeah. i can't i can only just enough to know what's going on yeah but not enough to like that i'm so seeped in and i take days off that sounds like a good balance mm -hmm. honestly that sounds like yeah. a good balance well it's thank you for joining me today both of you christine you, and carob nice to see you both and and nice to see y'all people in the chat hello Chicana Feminista says, let's see, what what she say here in the chat? Recently discovered your channel and align with these great perspectives. Thank you so much. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you for joining us. This is just sort of, um, you know, we just thought we'd come on and, and have a chat. We had some things to talk about and we haven't done one of these late in the day, early in the evening yeah. live streams before. So somebody requested that recently, do one at night yeah. and, you know, we're just, we thought we'd come and have a chat. So um, we, uh, Carob, you had brought up something about schooling, because I know that's a real big passion of yours is, is what's going on right now in the schools. And what yeah. was it that, what came up recently for you? Yeah, well, I think that um, what Christine was talking about in the beginning, just about the feeling demoralized and the way that that is translating to our kids so I was talking with my son the other day and honestly, he scared me with what he said because um, he just said, mom, I think that societies are better off when they don't blend. And I thought, oh, wow. oh my gosh, you oh my like gosh. Racially? Is, is that what he's talking about? Or culturally? He was talking about culturally, racially. And I like for two days was super stressed out because I'm like, 
of all the kids to not take on that mindset, I would think it would be my child because he's constantly, I mean, he's a mini me. He just is, you know, and I just, I was so shocked. And after like two days and just like a little bit of conversation here and there, he's, he's explained to me what he meant. And what he meant was that we are so divided that even as a barely 15 year old kid, he's seeing it. And he's like, there's no point. He's like, mom, most people don't reach across the lines like you try to do. And when you try to do it, you know, you, <laughs> it doesn't always work out very well, but he's like, most, most people aren't doing that anymore. We're like, it just seems like societies do better when they don't blend. Well, that's so you know, interesting. Other people's ideas. And mm-hmm. I just was like, that oh makes me think about say. the diversity, the D and DEI yes. and diverse. I mean, I've thought about this a lot that, that yeah. to divert is to turn away from. And yes. if you get into what the meaning of that, that's that, what is that, what well, is that ideology doing? It's turning people away from one another because we're all the same age, roughly. I think we're all, yes. you know, yeah. we're in our forties in our forties. And what was it like when you were a kid? It felt, I mean, I didn't, I think there was a lot more comfort in differences when we were- I remember like the exchange students would come to school and I would be friends with all of them mm-hmm. immediately like I just wanted to know about their cultures I wanted to know as much as I could about other people um and it was and okay to be curious there was nothing offensive about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I remember one one person from another country um and she she told me I was like an elephant <laughs> and I remember going what? <laughs> what does that even mean? What does that she, mean? She, she just means you are strong and oh. courageous. And it was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's oh so funny. Gosh. That's really sweet. I, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna throw in a little wrench because you know I just I just yeah. will because I just got back from the movies and I was watching this movie, movie called Canandar. It's okay. It's about uh, it, you know, an escape from there's some military in Afghanistan and they're trying to escape with one of them with the, um, their, their translator. So it made me think about the Taliban, not that I'm trying to say this is a model we should follow, but bear with me for one second. Why has all have all of our efforts to turn Afghanistan into a democracy failed? It's because the core belief structure there is tribal. And so us coming along with our democracy works and well, we're not even a democracy in the US, we're a constitutional republic. So we actually know democracy itself has flaws. But having said all that, just for the clarity of language at the moment, that is why no matter what we brought over there, no matter how many troops, no matter what, they have never actually changed the structure of their society. The, the, our F, the West's efforts to do that have failed each and every time, and we're never going to do it. And finally, it just was given up. So I'm, I'm not saying you know we need to be tribal or we don't, but I'm saying there's something to be said for societies of human beings doing really well or better or when they are connected to their own whatevers. But diversity. And then that brings up the line of, oh God, are you talking about separating the races? And that's not really what I mean. I'm talking more about value systems and culture, um, cultural, cultural beliefs. And that's um, a really tricky. So I'm seeing two things right now. Um, a year ago, well, last fall, I went to, um, 
a somewhat secret meeting that's no longer secret because it's already happened, but um, a bunch of African delegates had come, had come to Utah of all places to talk about what was happening with the United Nations and how they were imposing their, and, and I mean, I, I have the papers if, if you want to add them later or something, but, um, but they were oh, talking about how, how they were imposing Planned Parenthood. They're imposing, you know, the, what is a woman type, um, women's rights, including trans rights into communities and cultures that are like, they started off at this meeting laughing. I mean, they honestly were laughing and they were just like, America has lost its ever loving mind. And then the people explained to them, this is on your doorstep now. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, there were delegates, like I met one person and I was told to address them as your excellency. I mean, like <laughs> these are pretty, pretty big guys up there, right? And, and some of them had tears in their eyes and they were like, how can they take our country? How, how can how can they take our countries and do this to us? And the way that they do it is United Nations says, you will. So you want to They're talk globalists. about colonialization. The, colonialism, the, the globalists. Exactly. So everything mm. that they come and they say, colonialism is bad. That's what you tell my ninth grader in his class. Colonialism is bad. And these are the reasons why. And then you're like, Mm-mm. but it's exactly what you're doing. It's exactly what you're doing. And then in America, we've got an issue with black supremacy. Mm, it is time. here. It is, what's, what's going on here is making me, I mean, I've talked to so many people. I talked to a DEI advisor in that conversation. I don't even know how to, how to put it up or if I just put the whole thing up and say, this is what happened, you know? But, um, but every time I talk to these people and I say, I don't want you to teach hate to our kids. I just don't want you to teach hate. They look at me and they say, well, it's okay to not get along with everyone. Nobody ever questions and goes, well, we don't hate. Mm-hmm. That's not what's going on here. Nobody even denies it. They despise. And they're teaching our, and our kids and what That's our kids true. are doing instead of embracing it is they're mocking it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, we so are you're seeing the kids reject it. Yeah, but in a really ugly way. I mean, it, mm-hmm. what, what do you do when the kids come home and they're making monkey jokes. And the black kid is the one who's led the conversation, you know, call me monkey. What do you do? We're, what we're doing to our kids is, is disgusting. So you're seeing the, the DEI teaching create something of a backlash or of, of like an unintended effect, or maybe it's intended, who knows, but it's not it's not a direct it's intended agendas by the people that are running the show which is the top whatever elitists up here to to do this yes the boots on the ground no i think they don't know any better a majority of them but the ones up here yes are perfect that there's some intentionality it's a boots on the ground no but that's where all the damage is happening so when you're saying that you're saying like you're describing a hierarchy in which mm-hmm. there's someone who's got an agenda and other people who are implementing the agenda. Yeah. And I know with the comprehensive sex ed stuff, which I, I had a parent on with me last week to talk about, I don't know if y'all had a chance to see that it it's, and this was just, um, this was a private school curriculum that this parent was concerned about. And we went over a bunch of it and it was really alarming 
to me because it's it seems so developmentally inappropriate, this sort of thing that's being pushed. And not only developmentally inappropriate, but also socially inappropriate because they're really pushing hard to get kids to, to, to uptake certain concepts, including gender fluidity and right. the idea of, of playing with gender. Um, and it, and it's, a, it's a, an extreme push, but where that comes from, that was just a private school curriculum. And it's similar to what we're seeing in a lot of public schools as well. But if you go into UNESCO and uh, the WHO. Yes. This is where it's, it's come. That's where it's, from, and where do they start? Week. They have their world economic forum meetings, right? Do that you take think place that's, in Davos is that part every, of it? The oh, world 100%. Economy. They are so inextricably linked hmm. because they're, they're, they're agencies or groups, you can call them that seek to, that seek to come together to create a global government. Oh, like non-governmental organizations. NGOs. Like NGOs, yeah. correct. And they, hmm. they, they are coming together for that purpose because hmm. you can consolidate a lot of power, a lot of control and a lot of resources that well, way. What so do you say to the really people nice, who think that's conspiracy but, theory? What do you think about that? When people will um, say, oh, you're getting, you're I want so political them, and you're, yeah. I want them to read so I can even send this stuff, read the uh, World Economic Forum white papers. So they publish mm. notes of everything that they say and do at every meeting they have. Okay. And if you can get a hold of those, you'll basically see all these beautiful things couched in. And there are a couple of people too. There's some books that are out there that will go through that stuff for you. Mm. I kind of do you have some links or any well, recommendations? Yeah, I, I the Great Reset. Everyone's going to think I'm in that job. The Great Reset by Alex Jones. So he is out there, okay, but but he has everything in his book cited, quoted, and noted. Okay, from every piece of communication that he talks about from all of these meetings and all of these gatherings. So these Klaus Schwab and all these guys. That is it really okay. reputable? Because I know he's, you know, I don't know. I have the not notes. followed him, but I know he's got a really bad he reputation. He has a horrible reputation for sure. But but the book, it, the book itself is cited properly. Okay. So that you can actually go and pull out what it is that is happening at these meetings. And I know people are going to be like anti-Christine and I probably am going to get bombed all over the place <laughs> now with who knows what, but there he's willing to do that and to dissect it. He's not the only person, the only person who puts up yeah. those notes. You can actually find them on the world economic forums websites. I believe they publish well, their own agenda um, items. Well, he locally, just broke it down. Even locally, we have Kimberly Kimberly Ells, and she works with the United Nations, and she's written a book called The Invincible Family, um, and she talks a lot about what's going on at United Nations, and how she got involved in the first place was that um, United Nations wanted sexual rights for all, and she started looking at what does that mean, yes. like what, what age does all start, and child sexual rights start at like nine yes well that's that's when they start saying that the target so these so things okay. those things are those things those policies and those ideas or whatever those are formed at un meetings they are formed at the world economic forum meetings the party of davos they like to call it for slang so they what's the formed. difference between un and and world economic forum i mean you're you're putting those in the same it's sense how do tank. they okay okay it's a thing wef is a think tank okay so 
they're trying to foresee supposedly what is in the best interest of human beings because this handful of people know what's the best for all human beings on a global scale. This is where mm -hmm. AI became a problem. Okay. And now you have even leftist papers talking about AI can kill humanity. I mean, that was okay. on the New York Times paper record for this country, right? Where did that start? It starts at those think tank meetings. Mm. Those think tank meetings are by invite only. So the people that are there clearly already know people's positions. So Bill Gates is one member. We all know and love him. Klaus Schwab, we all know and love him. Pretty much um, Kissinger, I think was one. All of these guys that, you know, are trying to essentially, the, the, you know, um, destroy they us. They call themselves yeah. the elite. You know, that's, that's yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So that's their think tank ideas get spurted then into all of these other bigger organizations and the UN. I who knows how many people cross over, but that's where this stuff is happening. Mm. I what I say about the WEF is just okay. just just look them up on YouTube and you can okay. actually watch their talks. So that's mm. that's why I'm like, well. Is That's it their words? Is it so. useful to talk about where it comes from, or is it more useful to talk about what it is? I'm and I could, I'm not trying to push yeah. an answer there. I just I have tended to talk about like descriptively what we're experiencing and right. how we can respond to it because I feel I, like I start to enter into a lot of speculation when I'm yeah when I'm trying to guess no. who's doing what. I think I think that thinking as locally as possible is always the best solution because not the the. There was one person who was on Glenn Beck and they said, yes, there's the World Economic Forum. Yes, there's this group, but there's so many that we don't know. This is just the one mm. that's in front. And so you have to think about like, how is it affecting our kids today? How is okay. it affecting and us today? I want to mention about the WHO too, because I'm going to forget my thought, but I'm, the WHO just had a meeting very recently where they want to actually, and they, they want the US, the U.S. pulled out of the WHO. Now what they want to do is pull the U.S. back in, okay? And they want to be um, established as the global task force to address any pandemic from here on out, which mm, basically true. means this group of people hold all the power and all the cards on how they're going to treat a, a pandemic pandemic in your particular country. Okay. So the minute you give away that kind of power to these multinational globalist elite bodies who don't have necessarily the individual's best interest at heart, and that's where we're falling apart. There's a reason we pulled out of the WHO and there are reasons that people are fighting to keep us out of it. Because if they start calling the shots, there is no more local government. Mm -hmm. If they say quarantine camps, by, it's not just New York state. What, what's the name of that governor, that woman over there, Kathy Hochul? Her comments Hochul. about, yeah, about quarantine camps and taking kids and family members to quarantine them in a camp it's safe. That stuff is in black and white writing. Somebody can find that too. Mm. This kind of stuff would be imposed upon us no matter what, if we allow a task force like the WHO, which they're creating, to control our responses to pandemics, our responses to vaccines. They want to vaccinate animals to make sure that the meat you eat is vaccinated. I mean, you guys, this stuff gets really crazy and stupid. And I used to think I was a complete nut job myself until I started seeing Bill Gates's comments on that. He puts things up on Twitter. That stuff goes viral. It's it, 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 it's they want to gaslight you to make you feel crazy. And believe you me, I was a very liberal, whatever person. But I always, always, and I said this on one pod podcast, 
knew and believed that a, a world order of sorts since I was 15, 16 years old was a bad idea. Mm. And I didn't know why, but it felt controlled and it felt like a yoke around us. And I would sit and yap, yap on and on with my friends about all this stuff. Then we went to college and boy, did they beat the hell out of that. They, they beat it right out of our system. Hmm. So we were indoctrinated like you wouldn't believe. And we left yeah. all that behind and then became pro global everything. And let's have one currency because that's not going to lead to a massive communistic state that's going to annihilate itself eventually. Hmm. Not a problem. But I, I agree with was in college. That's where they t- told me to not think that way anymore. I agree with those things. I just think that, I don't know, especially I was telling you guys that this is the last day that my son is in school. And I just think that even if, even if all of it's true, even like we can't live and mentally be okay. If we only think about the doom and gloom, it doesn't mean that we deny it because it is there. But at the same time, I love the idea of, of coming up with how we look at the world after, like once in the, in the idea that, that, that all of us can figure it out and we can get past the Pope, we can get to post-woke. What does that look like? And how in the meantime, do we give hope to our kids? Because we're getting a lot of fear. We get fear from the media. We get fear from our schools. We get fear here in Utah, our governor goes to our schools and tells the kids, I'll keep you safe. Trust me, I'm going oh to keep you safe. It's freaky. That's really and disturbing. It is, it is really, it is really disturbing. And he does it, you know, he, he, I believe I'm going to get myself in trouble. I believe is a useful idiot, but he, I don't, I, I think I'm in trouble too. <laughs> I, I, I think that he means, I think that he means well which will get me in trouble on the other side, but I think (laughs) that he's meaning to be compassionate. Yeah. Yeah. But what's happening is we have kids three years later who still wear masks. We have kids when I go to get a coffee who feel the importance of telling me when I'm just getting my coffee, I'm part of the queer community or whatever. Mm. You know, so like they are whatever they're sponges, right? And so if our sponge tells them you need to be anxious, everything is about your mental health, mental, 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 then our kids, just like us, like we were talking about this in the beginning. And it's like, we think it's heavy for us as 40 something year old women. What do you think it's like for the kids who remember when we were this age, we were thinking about what's next in life. We were thinking about the hot boys, you know, know? something I wonder is, is you know, there's a rebellious spirit in the youth. That's part of the process of individuation and development for young people. And right now, all of this ideology is being sold and packaged as a way to rebel because it's counterculture, but very soon it's going to be the most mainstream. I mean, it's already going so mainstream. So what what does it look like next? What is the next generation of rebellious kids going to do with this prepackaged identity stuff? And well, what do you think, Carib? You have a look on your face like you you have some thoughts about that. Well, yeah, I told my son the other day. I just looked at him, and grabbed his shoulders, and you guys got to see him. He's pretty cute. He's cute. <laughs> and, He's cute. And, and I just said, 
marry a trad wife. <laughs> it was just like, he's like, what does that even mean, mom? Marry a trad wife because I don't want Good him solution. to be an ATM for someone. Mm. I don't want him to be disposable. And so I believe that what's next for our kids is to rebel back into, into a culture that, that um, I was speaking, I can't remember what, anyways, it's some, some podcast that is very leftist. And um, they were like, well, you don't have to worry because in a few years, we're going to be back to the 1950s anyways. Hmm. I don't want the 1950s. No. But I want something that is more wholesome and more sane than what, what's going on right well, now. We, we, I did a talk on why innocence matters. This is where I think we have to go back to innocence. And, and innocence isn't about not knowing some, being gullible or, or in some way naive. It is about not knowing about something because it hasn't happened to you yet and you mm-hmm. are not being um prematurely disposed or exposed to whatever that is when you don't have the bandwidth and the cognitive sophistication to be able to interpret it and and process and understand it and then respond so to me Mm -hmm. because this was a very specific talk i did about why innocence matters is just that to dial it back well and i think we can reclaim innocence i think that that's true one of the ways is by tuning out some of the input that's coming through and and i i know i i've said this before but i think one of the best ways we can protect our kids is to keep them off of screens there's too much information coming in through those screens and there's too much pressure and there's just too much too much stimulation coming through those screens and it really can warp your view of life and it, it does things to your attention span. I think it is really difficult to process everything. And it's not just about the content. It's also about the process of what you're doing when you're on that screen. So I really think that if we can pull, pull our kids back from that as much as possible and get them engaging in real life interactions, uh, that's a, a major protective factor. I picked up this book called, um, uh character carved in stone and it is i mean it is um this is it um Pat williams and, yeah and it's 12 virtues of of west point before west point went woke right <laughs> but it's um but i'm breaking it down with every one of the virtues and so we're going to hit them and so um, the first one in the book is compassion, and we're not really going to touch that in June. We're going to go. We're going to go with courage in June, and we're going to go to DC and look at all of the monuments and and talk about those and really focus. But the one thing that we can do, we have to take responsibility as parents who've checked out because we did. We, we checked out as parents. We decided that our phones were, you know, a great babysitter, not only for our children but for ourselves. Yeah. And so we have to recommit because the only way that we fix this problem is to go back to being our children's one person. We have to be the main person in their lives. So we don't just have the screens, but another thing that just happened in Utah, in Utah the last week of school, so this week, last week, um, they were reading a book about incest and rape. And in the Um, and this is eighth graders, and they decided to have school counselors in the classroom 
in case kids couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. And you just go, if you think kids couldn't handle it, maybe don't, don't do this to them. Right. Right. Well, and I, I kind of want to ask you more about your perspective on being your kids one person, because I think that I agree with that provisionally, like up to a certain age, we do want to bring we, kids belong with their, with, with people who really love them when they're yes. young and forming and not, I don't think it's developmentally um, necessarily healthy or wise to be separating kids from their parents and putting them into these big cohort age cohort based groups with people who are bureaucrats rather than you know loving caregivers based on the structure of the system not because those people are not loving people some of them are wonderful but it's just a structure I don't think is great for children at you know at five six years old but at what age do you feel Kara, that it's appropriate to start releasing your kid out into the wider world for influence. What what, okay, what are your so thoughts well, on that? Yeah, so I'm not raising a mama's boy. <laughs> so that's um, um, the way that I see it as the one person is that in the hierarchy of it all, my husband and I are at the top, okay? Um, but I also seek out mentors for him on purpose. So he works for somebody on their farm and I vetted the person. I wanted to make sure that the person had had values and was going to teach him a certain skill. And then he has a youth group. So, and that was the same thing. Like I went to youth groups where all they did was play games and they didn't have any kind of learning, spiritual learning. Mm -hmm. And so I looked for a church. I looked for a religious institution that fit what we are looking for as a family. Um, so being the one person is being that person that they come to overall. If some, if something, you know, they had one person to call, they, you would be the person Mm -hmm. you'd be the person that they come to, to question when they have questions, Mm -hmm. that is your job as the parent, but that doesn't mean you're the only person in their lives by any means. And the same thing with, with kids, right? I mean, other kids, you want to have peer groups. Mm -hmm. So that was our biggest fear about switching to homeschool was how is he going to be socialized? Like he's, he's 15 years old and he's into this and that, and how are we going to find his group? And then I just started looking, I just got online and I was like, Utah homeschool groups. Well, what are you interested in? And so, and I found some that I was like, yeah, no, that's not, not for us. And then I found some that I'm like, Oh, great. They do this every week or they do this. And So I just think that we have, the way that I look at it is I have been given a responsibility for my child and to hand that off to someone else, which is what our government, what our, you know, what our president has recently said, our children belong to the nation. Freaking craziness, in my opinion. It's a version because the nation belongs to our children. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then when Those we, the and people then who take, attend the world economic court, okay, I'm done. I'm done with it. Okay. Continue. That's who but, it's made up of. Okay. Continue. But, but that's the thing. And, and we want to give our children the skills to be able to launch and to be productive and hopefully to be like a good spouse and to be, you know, all, all of these things we want for our children, but it is our job to teach them that. And when we think, oh no, they'll figure it out on their own. That's why, that's why we have porn in our schools. People will say, oh, well, they've already seen it on their phone. So what's the problem of having it in the classroom? 
or not the classroom, but the school library, but some teachers do, some activist teachers do put it in their classrooms. But you're like, it is our job and we have to take the responsibility back. We are the last, you wanna talk about a post-woke world. We are the last hope for a post-woke world because our teachers, even the really good ones are sitting there going, all I can do is hold the line. All I can do is hope that I don't get fired because I'm not doing this stuff. But as parents, we have a right to say, that's a bunch of garbage and here's the facts. Mm -hmm. I think empowering the parents to step into their roles. I 100% I agree with you, Carrie. And I've given that advice when it's been sought in other positions I was in about what parents can do. That was the big thing is what they could do. And it was about stepping into that. And I, I even had, had, had said to, you know, one group, maybe I think it was when I did that presentation on why innocence matters, but I think I said something about, you know, even if you, you know, you don't have to totally just, you know, you want your child to still respect the, you know, teachers because they're adults. That's the basic decency. But you as a parent can bring in the other side. You can bring in facts. You can bring in new material that they're not teaching them and say, okay, here's another way to think about it or another way to look at it or another conversation we can have so that you're not totally making them, you know, go to school if they're going and dismiss and hate the teachers and, and be rebellious in that way but you're giving them some sort of ability to filter information through a, a rational lens. And you're teaching them how to do that a bit so that they don't have to intake all of that. And that doesn't have to become their truth. That's so such a, you such can a good point. Mm -hmm. Another piece of the puzzle. And that mm -hmm. in and of itself is a good critical thinking skill mm -hmm. to develop, right? Is to gather information and then look at multiple sides and then draw some conclusions. Because as much as I sound conspiracy theorist, at the end of the day, I'm actually quite rational. No, I agree. Um, about I agree. how to reach conclusions. Mm -hmm. um, and when you lose the diversity of thought, right, that's problematic. Well, it's so, just that thing, Christine. It's the diversity of thought and the thinking for yourself that we are being we're being shifted out of, that people are having yeah, that trained out of ourselves. They are well, talking about white mm -hmm. supremacy. They're telling you how to be. That's supremacy. Oh, yeah. Whether and it's black, yes, it white. And it's, it's this yellow, elitism yellow, and this thank you. credentialism that we've supremacy. got so much of. It's a reliance on experts. And when you think about parenting, like- Experts. I mean, Kara, right. um, you you had, your your kid is still a kid. He's, he's an older kid, but he's a kid. So you all remember pregnancy- it's so, you know, you've got to go to all your appointments and that's, there's a doctor telling you about your body and about your baby and what to expect. And then you have your newborn and you're in, you know, I don't know if you did a home birth, if you did a hospital birth or how you did it, but we're, we are, are relying so much on other people to tell us about these essential things about our, our body and about our baby. And then when you have that baby, you've got all these, what you're supposed to do, like a three day checkup and then a 10 day checkup and then a two week checkup and then a two month and then a four month and a six. And so you're constantly checking in with somebody else to tell you how to do everything, every single step of the way. What are you supposed to feed them? When are you supposed to feed them? How do they dress when they sleep? Are you supposed to use a pillow? Are you supposed to use a blanket? What, you know, it's every single thing Parents are being trained from the very, from pregnancy, not to trust their own instincts and not absolutely don't trust your mom or your grandma because their information is outdated. You have to trust the doctors and you have to trust the parenting books. And so it's this like, 
it, it's an outsourcing of any agency or any critical thinking from the very get-go with parenting. And so this, this idea that the child belongs to the state is just a natural progression of the way well, parents are, are, are being trained. When I, when I think about it, and I'm sure I've said this before, but it, I cannot get it out of my head that every bad idea was first tried out on the Black community. Mm-hmm. Every single bad idea, every, every you are dependent, all of these things. And now we're at this point where many people expect the worst from African-Americans. Mm-hmm. They expect them to act like fools. They expect them to to not have manners and I mean you talk about supremacy and who and the people who are who won't say a word who won't call it out and say this is wrong and just let it perpetuate they have to know that that's feeding in it's feeding into the kids and it's feeding into adults because I've I've seen some like memes that have honestly like made me want to cry because they're just like it switches from from people in the city acting like fools to animals in the jungle. And they're like, what do you expect? Mm. And that is the, that's what's being told to our kids too. Uh And so it's, it's disgusting. It's really painful. It's debasing. Absolutely. And when you're one of the few, not that I'm a few, because there's a ton of us, but when you're, when you're a, an outspoken minority who's like, I don't want to be seen like that. Mm-hmm. And then we have to live like that. And then on top of that, and this is why people are like, why do you care so much? I'm like, because everything that was already done to the side of me that's African-American, you're doing to all of our kids now. You are taking away their ability to achieve greatness by dumbing them, down and they're dumbing it down get rid yes, of the gifted they're, program they're in new york city right yes. we don't want the gifted program let me tell you okay i i'm not what the acceptable minority would be and that was during you know they got rid of middle easterners being considered minorities there's not mm-hmm. enough of us is the, the the thing to be considered to be an actual marginalized group okay, okay. so that's what they're well, that that's seems what like they decided that even today. more marginalized Yes. I mean, yes. And, um, so wait, what were you talking about, Carrie? I forgot. I I was just saying they, they dumb us down. They they turned them into a cog. So they did it with the black people and now they do it with everybody else. So one of the things I was a very depressed child, very depressed. I mean, like wanted to harm myself depressed. What saved me and kept me alive. Okay. And, and I wish, you know, my parents, they did the best they could. I'm not, you know, and God bless them. But what I needed and what saved me was actually school and being in gifted programs. That is what I lived for because it was the only way that I felt good about myself because I wasn't able to get it externally. I wasn't able, you know, there's a lot of other, you know, my parents too had multiple jobs at the same time and they were trying to learn English and they were trying to adjust to the U S I mean, it was very rough. So that's where I drew any kind of strength. So for that to have been taken away or, or I wasn't accepted into the gifted program, um, I would have been more mortified and horrified because it saved, I mean, it was what, it was how I gave myself some level of value. So -hmm. you have some of these kids who are maybe in the inner cities and maybe their parents or their caregivers are working two and three jobs and they're in a gifted program where they feel seen and they feel heard and paid attention to, and they feel smart 
and therefore, therefore they feel motivated. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? Instead, Mm -hmm. let's get rid of it so that we can, you know, rather than having just, this is how the dynamic, you know, this sort of how we're going to have everybody looking exactly like this. Okay. I am appalled by that, by the getting the, the getting rid of gifted programs. I also got a lot out of those programs and my daughters went through the gifted programs and I just, it was, it's appalling that they're getting rid of that. Well, and then the other fact is, is that, um, like my son learned for three years in the gifted program. Um, he learned, he knew what cisgender was as a fifth grader. Mm. So, oh, they, so they had already they don't, they don't, infiltrated and, those. And that's the thing is like, like we're saying that they, they get rid of things and we're all supposed to be the same, but no, you get to feel special mm. in this inauthentic way because of who you're attracted to. You get to be, you know, I mean, the gas you're, you're special if you're part of the queer community. Yeah. Mm. It, and gas, that's not authentic. It's crazy. Because yeah. it's so hypocritical. It's crazy making. And, and you're talking into, you're, they're talking you into a circle. They're talking mm-hmm. in a circle. So then you start thinking in a circle and it becomes very chaotic to tease out what's actually sane, reasonable, rational, and true. Let's say factual, because mm-hmm. we've sort yeah. of neglected facts too, I would say. Um, you know, so I, and so then, you know, what is the ultimate outcome well when you have people confused and lost and whatever they're going to look to a higher group they're going to look to an authority to anchor them our experts are going to look to these people to give them an anchor because they're so damn confused on the ground there's so much circular thinking and discussion that isn't rational or doesn't make any sense so it empowers the the experts to stay perched on their little branch and to continue to rise up and we continue to give it to them right so so exactly so all of the things that happened in the black community Yes. All of it. Like the, the looking that. down, the looking for leaders, the I can't possibly help myself. Yeah. All of those ideas are now on all of our kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is like I've been I've been That's wanting so to help to think the of. black community get out. I've been wanting to help them get out. And now when I'm trying to help them and and the viciousness and and now yes, the supremacy. The supremacy, what do you call it when you go and sit in a meeting and somebody moves your stuff and throws it on the floor because they feel like they're more important than you to sit down? I mean, there's no other- Did that happen? Yes. Those kind of things happen often. So where it's just, you don't get to exist. I've said that before, they erase you. Hmm. But then you take these kids in the queer community who don't even know what queer is. They don't, they have no idea. They just think they're being accepting. That's all they know about this whole thing is we're accepting and we're loving and things don't have to be the way they always were. And they have no idea the, the violence that's behind it. Um, but like the target guy, he recently, um, he had one of his designs was a guillotine. Oh, it's I saw that. You, sent, then you has, sent that, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. And he has he has yeah. that lighter of like burn the system down. Well, our kids don't know what that. And the guillotine. What no did idea. it? What was the caption on that? That little. It said it said homophobe headrest, but yeah. you have to understand that if you don't affirm a hundred percent, if you say that my kid's mm-hmm. too young to be involved in sexual whatever in any way, shape, or form, and that's you're you. That's homophobe. You. Yeah. Yes. And, and so it's like rest your head on the guillotine. So it's yeah. a complete intolerance of complete and violent and, and other such opinions, a yeah. violence behind it. It's it's extreme authoritarianism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you and you're sitting there going, I I know it's violent because I've seen again 
what it did to this community. So you try and help this community. And while you're trying to help this community and lift them up and say, hey, and there are people, little by little, I get people saying, thank you for what you're saying. I've always felt that way, you know? And then you turn around and you get your next group. And it's just, so, we, so my belief is that we have to be the people with the solutions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if it's Pride Month and there's all of these pride activities, then we have to be the people who are saying, we're having a barbecue in our yard. Come on the slip and slide, you know, we'll come, come do okay, whatever, you know. Question. I, okay. Yeah. And maybe this is naive of me. I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. Okay. Let me get my thoughts here. I don't understand the idea of celebrate. Did you hear the, 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 about the little tweet? I think that Morgan Freeman said, said, I think it was 30, 40 years ago. I mean, it was a long time ago, I mean, two decades ago. Mm -hmm. He said, why do we have a black history month? It's, it's just very sort of dismissive to the entire culture. It should, black people should be celebrated all the time, every month, every year, just as everybody else. That's the type. So when I hear yes. that, that makes me think, right? Why are we doing all of these pride months? Like what, what, what is the point of that? And when you talk about pride, it's usually over something that you've achieved, right? This idea of, I have all of this pride because I have this immutable characteristic, or I have this you know, situation. I want to see what you've achieved to be so proud, to be so prideful and proud. I don't. Well, it's inauthentic. Yes. Right. And so, and then you have this month where we're supposed to kind of do that for different groups. I'm not just talking about, you know, LGBT, yeah. you know, QI every, everywhere. And it just, it, it, it doesn't make it. It's almost just a little, it's patronizing. It's patronizing to the whole entire group. It's, it's inauthentic. And the thing is, is that as soon as they step out of line, as soon as there's one part of it that they're like, I don't agree yeah. with that part, then all of their value, all of their worth is out the window. Yes. All of these people who held them up and said, you're wonderful. You're amazing. You matter. You don't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's why we have to have the post because there's so many people who are in that category. Mm -hmm. I have a young friend who's a member of the GSA and she's like, why do they want us to protest? They're literally sending kids things and saying, you need to protest. And this is why, and this is what you need to protest for. Mm -hmm. And they're like, but why? I don't, I don't want boys to play in my teams. I like, why, why do I have to do this? And the second that you say no, well, then you're on the outs with the group that you were so special for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's sad. It is. And I don't know. I mean, I think, and you know, to go back to what you were saying earlier, Leslie about, no, I'm sorry. Was it Carrie? I, one, maybe both of you were talking about this as well, but just getting to a point of like, when does sort of sitting in the muck become too much? And then we have to start looking for the moments of hope or a way, a, a way, a, a step forward. I don't even want to say a way out because that insinuates it's a prison. I don't think it, any of this is a prison. It's all self-inflicted by large groups. So a way out, um, rather than that, I will say a step forward. Mm -hmm. So I do believe that there are steps forward. I do think one of those is the relationship between parents and children. And mm -hmm. it's like going back to this structure of like a core family unit, even if it's, you know, two same sex parents, I'm not saying it has to be the truth, but to have two parental figures back into a nuclear structure, home mm -hmm. structure that's anchored um, because that is just where 
kids learn how to have healthy relationships. That's their very first introduction into this world, right? Is with, with their caretakers, their parents, whomever. Um, And what are they learning? They're learning how to love and get needs met. Wow. Mm -hmm. But also work. And don't, work. don't forget work because work is huge in getting past sure. the woke. Having responsibility sure. gets you past responsibility. Learning woke. how to, you know, and we would say the psychology profession self-soothe and do it in an appropriate fashion, which isn't to like go and run and tantrum, you know, on the ground at Toys R Us, but to, you know, use your words and talk to talk about your feelings. I mean, it sounds so cliche, but at the end of the day, it's sort of what we know leads a healthier, more mm-hmm. developed, uh, more caring, more responsible adults over time, consequences of actions. It's like this whole like hands-off parenting concept where, you know, I'm just going to do positive parenting. So then there are no consequences for actions. So the great disservice is what, what are you turning out into the community when these kids become adults about consequences and living a consequence-free life? I used to see this right. working in addiction all the time because I worked at one of those very, well, several places, a few places, but all these very ex- expensive high end where there's so much entitlement. They've been handed everything their whole lives. They have these, and so then they can't even follow an instruction like, okay, you can't use your cell phone during group time. You know, like it was that simple and it was hard to do. Well, where did that come? Well, well positive parenting. We wanted to just love on them no matter what. And, and everybody gets first place. That's you know, the importance of not being black and white with this. I mean, cause you've, yes. you're talking about uh, the positive Correct. parenting is this completely like laissez-faire, no, uh, no boundaries kind of concept where the child is the, their own guide Correct. versus this on the other end, you've got this authoritarianism, Correct. which is what we're seeing in the institutions, which yes. is like, you cannot think for yourself. And so there's yeah. this middle ground where yeah. you have authoritative parenting or, or education and I really think that this concept, Carib, of of post woke is really cool. What you're saying, and and the the things that we've kind of that I've been listening to you to cover, and that I've talked about too, things like what you said, Carib, about um, setting up alternatives, and yes. Christine about fostering intimate family relationships and authority within the family, a loving family system, parent child relationships. Yes, And then I think that it's important also to restrict your social media and your computer time. Don't yes. do more than you need to do. It's so addictive. Don't put your kids on it for entertainment. They would be better off being bored. It's, it's okay to be bored. It's okay to be bored. Take it away. That's another thing we bored. used to have to teach in, you know, addiction treatment is that boredom is a feeling that you need to learn how to tolerate. You need to mm-hmm. be able to sit with the distress of that because it, it will pass as all things do. Mm-hmm. And that people can't, can't sit with, and that's something that I've learned having my internet be out now for like a day or a mm-hmm. day and a half or whatever is it's been very quiet yeah. and there's been a lot of empty space. And I sat and sort of reevaluated the things that I use for comfort, actually, it's a different topic, but, um, but I think because the idea of sitting still or boredom is, is reprehensible is that the word it's it's almost just Mm -hmm. it's oh it's like intolerable for people it's just it's intolerable it's an intolerable Mm -hmm. state but Mm -hmm. it's an an inevitable state that we will feel that way but then Mm -hmm. what do we do with it when we don't actually let people feel it yeah well I think it's important to practice boredom in this in this time when we are we can so easily 
entertain ourselves just pick up your phone and and i mean how often do you see somebody just sitting outside anymore sitting at the bus stop i mean they're not doing that anymore now they're looking at their phone and i'm guilty of it just like everybody else it's not it's not like i'm immune to that somehow but i think it is important to practice stillness and remind yourself that you can do that and you don't have to automatically pacify yourself that way and I think it's yes. especially important for children because that's something that I see a lot as kids in restaurants on a tablet or yeah. people who, when they go for a drive, they give their kids a tablet to play with or a phone or something like that in the backseat. And this really takes something away from that kid. It takes the, the ability to develop coping skills and, mm-hmm. and ways to entertain themselves and ways to engage their creativity and their imagination. And when you're always snuffing that out with digital entertainment, that's a part of you that doesn't get to develop. We used to make toys when I was a kid. We didn't have money for toys. Oh yeah. We used to, yes, we used to make our own toys Mm -hmm. and that imagination, creativity. And the reason I say this is because not all parents can afford to, you know, you know, buy Mm -hmm. or not buy or whatever, but we create, we made up games. We Mm -hmm. made paper dolls and little, you know, cars that they would ride in. We were just creative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how we coped. Yeah. I think the other thing is that, that it, it will take away the bond and the respect between a child and a parent. It's very easy for a school to say, well, we're the authority, we're all of these things. If they're the ones who are paying the most attention to you. Yeah. So I think for that reason, you have to pay attention to your kids. You have to like one of the things that I've told myself is, well, my I'm docking my cell phone in my office so that when my child is talking to me, I'm not going, oh yeah, aha, uh-huh, sure, whatever. You know, I want to be there and be present and to have those kind mm-hmm. of um, moments because, well, they're few and far between these days, right? So. That's true. That's true. I mean, it's what you're modeling, like you say. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I'm looking at the chat now. Uh, BC Cogito, Cogito, am I saying your name right? I hope I am. Uh, Books are not boring. Yeah, that's right. And, but, and and yet the more we use the screens, the more we destroy our attention span and make it harder to focus on the books. And it takes practice to get back to reading. And I think that that's the thing that we can do our kids a favor if we don't allow them to develop that um, that dependence on screens for entertainment, they can find books just as interesting as, as perhaps we used to and are trying to again. Uh, CNY photo video says, my family has become drastically atomized because of COVID fear manipulation. Don't know if things will heal. I think that's, that's incredibly common and it's yeah. so tragic and it makes me yeah. so angry that this has happened to families like this to see people just just torn apart by the manipulation and it's so sad and I'm sorry that that's been your experience it's been like that knowing all the while our experts knowing all the while what the truths were or weren't and not being able to say them and being censored so here we go again we're looking for the person perched up there chaos Mm -hmm. and confusion down Mm -hmm. here and then we're left with the aftermath of this of the destruction I mean there are relationships that won't heal Mm-hmm. Um, and there, mm-hmm. and there's many that will, you know, of course people come around, but there are many that are just forever changed. And I see that, uh, Chicana Feminista says that she has a channel on here that she does lives twice a week. So cool. 
I don't know what your channel's about, but it sounds interesting. So anybody who wants to check that out, she's in the chat and that might be cool. Um, let's see, Paul McAuliffe says, cell phones or abuse of ourselves on them have had a major neg negative impact on our society. Absolutely, mm -hmm. I believe that. Oh, and then Bichi, okay, Kagito. Thank you very much for helping me with the pronunciation. And uh, there's a lot of good information here. This chat is great. Thank you guys so much for, for engaging and for being here to have this conversation with us. And thank you, Carib, and thank you, Christine, for joining me for a really lively chat. Yes. Always a pleasure. Always. It sure is. Always All right. a pleasure. Well, we'll Thanks see you guys everybody. next time. Sounds good. Okay. Bye. Bye -bye.